Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This year for our Lenten midweek series, we'll be considering the means of grace. God is gracious towards sinners. He desires to forgive all sinners. And indeed, he already has forgiven all sins for Jesus' sake. But we need to receive it. The gospel is the means by which we receive it. We receive God's grace by faith. This means that the means of grace are the means by which God teaches and persuades our hearts to believe that God truly forgives our sins and that we enjoy his favor for the sake of Jesus Christ, his Son. The outline for our five midweek services is conveniently laid out for us by Dr. Martin Luther in the small called articles printed on the front of your worship folder. I'll let you read the little paragraph there explaining the history and significance of this after the service. <laughs> but let me, let me read these words from our Lutheran confessions, and you can follow along. Uh, and they present to us how God's multiple means of grace indicate how determined God is to lavish us with mercy and save us. These words. We will now return to the gospel which now merely which not merely in one way gives us counsel and aid against sin. For God is super abundantly rich and liberal in his grace and goodness. First, through the spoken word by which the forgiveness of sins is preached in the whole world, which is the peculiar office of the gospel. Secondly, through baptism. Thirdly, through the holy sacrament of the altar. Fourthly, through the power of the keys, and also, fifthly, through the mutual conversation and consolation of the brethren. Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered together, etc. Scripture makes clear that no one will be justified by the works of the law, because the law gives knowledge of sin. Rather, God justifies the ungodly by faith. This faith is accounted for righteousness in God's sight. It is faith in Jesus, God's own Son, who fulfilled the law that condemned us and was crucified to bear our guilt. The gospel is good news. It is good news that Jesus took our punishment on the cross. It is good news that he rose from the dead and so proved that God is at peace with us and no longer condemns us. Faith takes God at his word. Faith does not accomplish bringing Christ down from heaven or raising him from the dead, but the word is in your mouth. It is in your ears. It gives life in your heart. Faith believes God, believes this declaration that because Jesus rose, all our sins are already sunk into the deepest sea. And by believing this, we're saved. To believe this is to trust God. To trust God is to call upon him Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And yet the question must therefore be asked. How can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? The gospel is a message. 
The gospel, the word itself means good news. Of necessity requires somebody to tell the news. It is news to us. Hearing this good news is the primary means of grace. It teaches sinners what they must believe in order to be saved. I'll be preaching on baptism and the Lord's Supper and so on in the next Wednesdays ahead, but I will not be baptizing about preaching. We preach and we listen and we learn God's grace thereby. We are saved by faith, by believing the good news that we hear. It must be preached so that we can hear it. It's true before we hear it, but we must hear it to be saved. It was C.F.W. Walther, our Synod's first president, who compared the preaching of the gospel to messengers of a king, delivering a message of pardon to rebels. The rebels are doomed to destruction, but out of compassion for his rebellious people, the king forgives them in his heart and sends out his ambassador to proclaim the good news of pardon to these rebels who fear his wrath. It is good news. It is objectively true. They need to hear the, God, the message. If they don't hear the message, these rebels will continue to rebel. And they will nurse every excuse they have to hate the one who has every right rather to hate them. In order to believe the truth and live as pardoned citizens, they must listen to what the king's ambassador has to say. And what he says is truth that did not begin with his words, but began in the heart of God, began in the fulfillment of his son who came from his own heart. The gospel doesn't belong to the ambassador. The eleven were rebuked for not believing the testimony of women. The word is the word, and it bears truth. God sends ministers to teach it. Not because it belongs to the pastor, but because it belongs to you. St. Paul calls the ministers of the gospel whom Christ sends to preach the gospel ambassadors of reconciliation. So keep this image in mind. Ambassadors. God is reconciled to sinners for Jesus' sake. The ambassador pleads with his hearers to be reconciled in turn to God by believing the good news. It's the preacher's most important job. The gospel has divine power to save you. It saves all who believe. For this reason, Paul says that he's not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, power to forgive. But it is also power to be believed. That is to say, the gospel does not only reveal God's heart of mercy to you, but also has power to turn your heart to God. The gospel not only declares pardon from God, but empowers sinful hearts to believe that they really are pardoned and saved. It is not by our own reason or strength that we believe the gospel or come to Jesus. The Holy Spirit calls us. Yes, the gospel is a message that engages the mind, and if you have a mind, it must. But it does not, on that account, rely on our reason. The Holy Spirit enlightens what is naturally dark. He awakens us from unbelief. He teaches us to use our reason rightly. Come, let us reason together, the Lord says in Isaiah 1. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. God teaches us to reason rightly. And this is no credit to us. 
The gospel defies our sense of justice by teaching us of him who was innocent and holy, but who bore justice in our place. The gospel is certainly worth pondering and talking about, but it is never something we figure out. What makes it so persuasive is the otherworldly, beyond our ken, wonderful goodness of the news. By teaching us to know God's love in Christ, the Holy Spirit teaches us to love the God of mercy. There's no greater treasure than to know that God loves us. He who tells us where our treasure is, our heart will be also, also teaches us how and in what way and to what end God treasures us. Jesus purchased and won us, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. Why? Because the Father asked him to, and he wanted to. What for? That is, to what end? So that we may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him. This is how you live under him in his kingdom. You hear the gospel. You believe it. It's for you. The most important task a minister has is to preach the gospel. As St. Paul says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And the most important thing a Christian does is hear the gospel. For man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We cannot wean ourselves off of food. Fasting is not practiced for any sort of new normal foodless life. So also we must not think that we who cannot believe without the Holy Spirit are able to keep our faith in our hearts without hearing with our ears. It's dangerous. Jesus doesn't tell us to keep our faith. He tells us to keep his word. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That is to say, who believe it, treasure it, guard it. It is no light thing. We need what comes from outside of us. We need the bread of life, the good news of Jesus, who is the source of our eternal sustenance. Only by hearing the gospel can a sinner be saved. And this means that the gospel is worth suffering and dying for. The apostles are our examples. Jesus was theirs. Jesus tells us to pick up our cross and follow him. The crosses we bear are not just the cost of discipleship. They are the earthly means by which our loving God presses us always towards his means of grace. It is God's will that we suffer so that we learn to suffer all rather than fall away from cherishing the good news that by his suffering and death, Jesus saves us from sin and hell. As he also says to us, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? The good news of the great truth in heaven, which causes the angels to rejoice when one sinner turns and believes it. This gospel message, which is so clearly true in heaven where God's will is perfectly done. It is worth every loss of possession, relationship, and body on earth. There's nothing worth losing the gospel over. Nothing. As we'll be singing this Sunday, still to see your Savior near under every cross you bear. By the light his word doth lend you. Prayer will joy and comfort send you. Prayer is not a means of grace. You're not saved by your prayers. 
but prayer and preaching are quite closely connected, since calling on the name of the Lord refers to the preaching of the gospel, to the hearing of the gospel, and of course to our own supplications to the God who saves. Prayer is the constant voice of faith that trusts in the grace known and received in the preaching of God's word. It is the means by which we call on the name of the Lord in response to him who has saved us by first calling to us. All who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So lead as he may, as God so wills, he will never lead you away from hearing the gospel. Whatever does is not of God. While it is perfectly possible for one to hear the gospel once and believe it for the rest of his life and be saved, let all praise be to God. But God tempts no one and we must not tempt him. If he is so merciful to grant a deathbed conversion or to sustain a prisoner of war who's deprived of faithful preaching, then let us all the more count ourselves honored to have the voice of Jesus in our midst. We need continually and regularly to hear the gospel preached to us. For this reason, Jesus commanded his disciples to preach it and to keep preaching it to every poor, sinful creature. Five things prove our need. First, God commands us to hold his word sacred and gladly hear and learn it. To refuse to listen to the preached gospels, to despise what God has to say to you. That is a sin against God and your own soul. Second, because we sin in many ways besides. We're tempted and attacked by the devil and our own sinful nature. We need forgiveness every day. The devil knows our weakness. So does God. He causes his gospel to be preached to work in you what you cannot work in yourself. Third, we love our Savior's voice. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and no one will snatch them out of my hands. The gospel is the voice of Jesus whom we love. Fourth, as mentioned earlier, our prayers depend on the gospel. We are needy. We need what God gives. And so we ask him. The gospel teaches us why God is pleased to give us what we don't deserve. The gospel also teaches us to reason thus. If God did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If it is God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom, how can we doubt the goodness of his will in all things? For the sake of our prayers, we should gladly and regularly hear and learn the gospel. And fifth, we, we have a lot to learn besides. Jesus teaches us, not only in the deceit of our own flesh, but roaming the world, filling the airwaves and on every TV show we watch, our false doctrines and false gods. The devil does not need us to full out deny our Lord. He will be satisfied to get us to believe enough error to misdirect our faith from the Jesus who saves us by grace. But all Jesus' words are good for us. He teaches nothing to waste our time or distract. 
The goal of every Christian sermon is to teach you. The law teaches us to recognize our need for mercy and repent of our sins. The gospel teaches you to know the grace of God who forgives you your sins for Jesus' sake. Teaching and doctrine are the same thing. Christian doctrine gives you eternal life. Faith that believes in Jesus is faith that learns from Jesus, listens to Jesus, and loves Jesus. When God teaches you, he teaches you to embrace this treasure. He teaches you to guard the truth with zeal and to eagerly learn from him all things. He prepares you for good works that please him, that serve your neighbor, and he prepares you for a life lived under his grace and for eternal life after you die. God is super abundantly generous and liberal in his means of grace, so determined he is to save you. It is freely given, but it is not cheap. It is precious. It is worth more than heaven and earth. It unites us to God, who in Christ unites us, unites himself to us. It reconciles to him whom heaven and earth cannot contain. And yet by the gospel we hear, this God dwells in our hearts. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ unto eternal life. Amen.